0: Hello, I'm Rachel Montanian. I'm the IP Professional Support Consultant at Herbert Smith Freehills, London. I'm going to tell you a bit about how IP rights are affected by Brexit. So I'm going to talk a bit about the position currently during the transition period and what will happen post-transition, about the replacement of EU-wide rights in terms of how they're replaced in the UK. look at the key points on trademarks and on gi's and copyright and also talk about the exhaustion of rights and then finally a little bit about patents and the upc so until the end of this year we are in a status quo position although as we've already discussed the uk has left the eu um, during transition we are treated as part of the EU. And from an IP rights point of view, everything continues as normal, and you can continue to apply for EU-wide rights until the end of the transition period, and the coverage of those rights will still continue to be the same. However, after Brexit proper, if you like, the end of the transition period, um, rights that were EU in nature, as in covering the whole of the EU, uh, will no longer cover the UK because the definition of the EU is, has changed. And in the withdrawal agreement, there were uh, uh, provisions for those rights to be replaced by the UK government. And the government has produced a, set, a collection of uh, statutory instruments in which it has made provision to replace those rights. The, whether or not there is a deal in the next few weeks, um, will not make much difference to the intellectual property position. The SIs have already been drafted and are ready to go, and um, the replacement of rights will have to happen, whatever is agreed. So when you're considering what laws govern intellectual property post-Brexit, you'll be looking at the Withdrawal Acts, retained EU law, including CJAU decisions, the SIs and how they amend UK law, and also government guidance. And that is particularly so in the case of pharmaceutical regulatory law, which I will only touch on briefly here, um, which is not covered at all in the withdrawal agreement. So what rights are being replaced? Well, I already said they were the EU-wide rights, and examples of those are, for example, EU trademarks, and they will, will be replaced, or rather they UK element of them will be replaced by something called a comparable trademark EU. So if you have an existing right immediately prior to what is termed IP completion day, which from an IP point of view is a little bit inconvenient, but it refers to the interim period, which is what the EU calls uh, the transition period. So at the end of, of the interim period, IP completion day, if you have a right, an EU wide IP right that's existing at that point, it will be replaced in respect of its um, validity within the UK. Community registered designs will be replaced by something called a re-registered design. Unregistered community designs will be replaced with something called a continuing unregistered community design. And sui generis database rights that have arisen will continue to be recognised in the UK. From the 1st of January, if you want to get cover in these areas, in both the UK and the EU, you will have to apply separately for UK trademarks plus EU trademarks, UK registered design plus community registered design. And for unregistered community design, the UK has developed a new IP right called the supplementary unregistered design, which will fill the gap left in coverage that the unregistered community design would have covered. Um, There is also something called the UK Unregistered Design, which existed before the community version turned up, and uh, this is going to continue as it always has done, but it has a slightly different coverage, so it was thought necessary to have this extra right in. In terms of sui generis database rights, they are defined as rights um, that arise if you are, if a database is created by an an EEA individual or entity and um, so UK creators will no longer qualify for that um, but there will be a, an equivalent right in the UK that you can apply for if you are a UK creator so if you want to have coverage across the whole of the EU you're going to need to have an EA creator and a UK creator um, in relation to patents you know, so I haven't mentioned them they are not a harmonized right so they're not an EU wide right currently um, and so there isn't a need to replace those. And similarly with copyright, that is something which is not harmonized in the EU, although there has been some effective harmonization via the Information Society Directive. Um, but this is going to sit, as usual, be treated with, um, as usual, this will be treated using the usual treaties, as in the international treaties that make a copyright effectively effective internationally. So I'm just going to illustrate some of the key points um, by talking about trademarks, some, some some basics, just to remember that if you have an EU trademark that will not disappear um, on the 1st of um, January, it will continue to subsist in the remaining EU states and the UK element will be covered by this new um, comparable trademark brackets EU. Um, the UK entities can still continue to apply for and register an EU trademark, and that will continue to cover the EU member states as normal. And if you want an international system of registration, you can still use the Madrid system. Another source of comfort is that there is going provision for the continuity of rights. So for example, uh, references to EU trademarks will be taken as references to the comparable trademark EU in the UK. And so if you had consent to use an EU trademark in the UK, that will be deemed to apply to the comparable trademark. And similarly with licenses, they'll be interpreted by the courts as a license of the comparable trademark if they were a license of the EU trademark for use in the UK. Similarly with security interests, they'll be interpreted references will be interpreted as reference to the comparable. And when you get to things like challenges for non-use, you'll be able to rely on EU trademark use prior to IP completion date, uh, day, um, in order to support your use of your comparable and similarly with reputation. So there's a lot of continuity built into the system. Uh, One thing you should watch out for, though, is that EU trademark applications won't automatically be transferred to become a UK uh, comparable trademark application. Or In fact, sorry, they won't be transferred to become a UK trademark application. So you have a 9 month grace period in which to do that. So if you have any EU trademark applications which are still ongoing at 1st of January, you should make sure that you've covered those by making separate applications for a UK trademark within that 9 month period. Similarly, if there's been an assignment of an EU trademark which hasn't been recorded on the register, then you can, um, you can get that done even after the 1st of January, but you would need to make sure that you had the assignee recorded against the comparable trademark EU in the UK and registered designs have a very similar regime. Geographical indications are um, unusual in that the UK is going to set up a completely separate system of GIs um, and they'll protect wines, spirits, aromatised wines, food and drink and agricultural products um, as are currently protected in the EU. Um, But the UK will have its own versions um, and I haven't really got time to talk about those in a lot of detail. But um, if you look on our blog, you'll find more information about that. Copyright. Well, I've said that it's not harmonised and so it's it's theoretically not affected by Brexit. um, And the EU has put out a notice to stakeholders confirming that copyright is still going to continue in the same process of international treaties as I mentioned before. And so there won't be any change in that respect but um, it'd be interesting to look at the test for subsistence of copyright because the EU legislative test is the author's own intellectual creation and it requires an element of creativity and creative choice to uh, qualify for copyright whereas the UK had previously a test which looked at just the application of labour skill and judgment and it also continues to have Closed categories of copyright work written to, into its legislation. If you don't fit in one of those, you can't have copyright in something. So, this old doctrine is really no longer applicable um, because of the CJAU decisions in Mel and Brompton bicycles and early ones, in fact. Um, but the closed categories approach is still there, but it's probably coming into doubt following those cases, which are still applicable, just given that they've happened um, during the transition period so the question is will the uk courts revert to the old tests well as we've as we've as we've heard the supreme court is will be the only court that will be able to to make that decision but it'd be interesting to see what happens there and similarly with the revival of copyright in functional designs which has come out of case malen and brompton that also opens up the opportunity for the revival of copyright generally in manufactured items um and we'll have to see whether the supreme court maintains this approach or reverts to the previous approach, which looked at limiting copyright, where things were manufactured industrially or um, qualified for design, right? Exhaustion of rights is a really important point. We have an asymmetric arrangement from the 1st of January. Currently, during transition, there is EEA-wide exhaustion, which includes the UK. After transition, any goods that were already exhausted can continue to move around without um, rights being able to be asserted um, between the EA in the UK and the UK in the EA, but. Items which are then put on the market for the first time after the, after the 1st of January in the UK. Will not be able to move freely into um, the EA, so their rights will not be exhausted vis a vis the eea so fortress europe will apply however the uk has said it will continue to recognize ea wide exhaustion so products that are put on the market in the ea for the first time after the first of january will be exhausted in relation to ip rights um, from the uk's point of view so you see you have an, um, an asymmetric arrangement there the other thing to think about is international exhaustion of rights um, And the impact of retained EU law means that international exhaustion of rights respect of goods entering the UK from non EA states can't be applied to the in the UK to trademarks, registered designs, database rights, distribution rights, or any other harmonized rights that comes out of um, CJU case law. But there isn't the equivalent for patents. Um, So it may be applied in in patents, but this will all be for the Supreme Court to look at. Um, Certainly the Supreme Court could change the approach in the harmonised rights. Quick mention of EU dot EU domain names. Um, if you haven't heard from EURID already, um, just go back and check your emails. Um, on the first of October, they st- they notified any registrants who had dot EU domain names but did not appear to be an e- EU citizens or companies established in the EU, um, because if you're a UK undertaking or a company established here, you will not be able to hold a .EU domain name after the 1st of January. And in fact, the domain name will be withdrawn and stop functioning. So now is the time, if you haven't done it already, to transfer your .EU domain names to um, a friendly EU partner or, or subsidiary. Patents, as I said before, patents are not harmonised, so therefore not particularly affected by Brexit, European patents uh, will continue to be able to be applied for at the European Patent Office. Your UK designation of of a European patent will still be enforceable and still function completely normally. Just the fact they're called European patents doesn't mean they're going to be affected. Unitary patents are are an EU wide right and they won't be able to arise until the UPC, the Unified Patent Court is in place because that's the body which will enforce them. Um, since they haven't already arisen, there isn't any problem about trying to replace them. The Un- Unitary Pat- Unified Patent Court um, has been held up for a while due to um, some challenges, uh, constitutional challenges in Germany and also the UK withdrawing from the UPC, which has caused um, a, a slowing down in the progression of this court. Although it does now look like this may well be Um, up and running, probably at the end of 2021, perhaps next year. Um, The central division of the court was going to be in the UK, but is now going to have to be moved, possibly to Milan, possibly to another destination. In the meantime, the the responsibilities of that court will be divided, most likely, between Paris and Munich, the other two parts of the central court, um, in order not to slow down the progress of, of, of the UPC. What does this mean for pan European patent enforcement? Well, pan European patent enforcement strategies will remain important post transition and even post the introduction of the UPC. Um, The UPC is. Advertised as a one stop shop for patent actions across Europe. In fact, it isn't quite that because. Spain, Poland and Croatia and now the UK are not part of it, so. Even within the EU, it isn't a one-stop shop. Also, European patents can be opted out of this new system because the new system is meant to deal with un- unitary patents, but also European patents as well. Um, and nationally granted, granted patents uh, were never in the system. In addition, there's going to be a dual ju- jurisdiction of the UPC and national courts for at least the first seven years of the UPC's life. So all this means that multi-jurisdictional patent litigation will continue. And lastly, I'm just going to say a little bit about pharmaceuticals. Um, There was very little about about patents and nothing really about pharmaceuticals in the withdrawal agreement. Um, The the whole guidance was reissued in in September by uh, the MHRA. Um, It had been some previous guidance, which was withdrawn in January, but now... The, the guidance is coming back out again. Not all of it is out yet, but what there is you will find um, on the government websites. And if you look for the MHRA, you will find um, all the guidance on things like clinical trials, medical devices, licensing, marketing authorizations, importing and exporting, pharmacovigilance, paediatrics, all the, all the sort of regulatory things that make the pharmaceutical system work. Thank you.